recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it, it on. on. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Best day ever. Yeah? Hanging out with my podcast buddy. Wow. Do you want something from me? Do I have to pay you for that? <laughs> you don't have to pay me. I don't have any money. I'm just happy to see you. I missed but you But I can week. pay you in other ways. Um, I definitely don't want that. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> and I'll be moving just a little bit further away this time. <laughs> <laughs> There's no video today, so no. nobody will know. No one will know. We got some exciting stuff coming up in yes. today's episode. Uh, I was going over a couple of the UFC events over the last two weeks. Uh, quick recap over those. And some of our highlights from our favorite Colby Covington fight. And then we'll also talk about... Uh, <laughs> oh, I just had to suppress some vomit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be giving away a book. We We've are been talking be, yes. about it for like a month at this yeah, point. Yeah, let, let everybody get their reviews in. We got a nice lot of nice reviews. And uh, we're going to mix them up and... <laughs> ASMR. We're going to do it via ASMR. Um, so we'll give away one of the uh, the highly sought after Killer Collective books. Yes. Later in the show. So you have to listen all the way to the end if you want your name to be picked. And if then then you have to contact us because I don't know who some of these people are. Yeah, just uh, what we'll do is we'll tell them to contact us through the Facebook page or the yeah. Instagram. Because if you're a listener, yeah. you'll listen and you'll hear your, your name. name. right? Exactly. And you'll say, give me that goddamn book. <laughs> I want to read it. If you've already read The Killer Collective, we'll try to find another book for you. Yes, we have a few. We have a few. Um, I actually have a, a book that I just got. It's a History of Samurai Warfare, uh, which is pretty good. But anyway, Samurai Warfare. Yeah, it's my historic reading of the of the moment. Did you ever see the game For Honor? No, what's that? It's a uh, where they mix different types of uh, warriors from generations, and they have like samurai versus a knight, and like uh, it's like a board game. No, it's a video game. Video game. Oh, yeah. You know what? There was a TV show like that. I forgot yeah, what it's I called, but that. yeah, it was I like, feel like we've what would? Yeah, what would? Yeah, we did talk about it. Like, what would a Zulu warrior happen if a Zulu warrior fought a samurai or a Spartan yeah. warrior it was like a fought Discovery a Discovery or yeah, yeah, exa- or something. yeah, yeah, exactly. We're repeating ourselves. The greatest hits. This is episode fifty, by the way. This is fifty. This is oh 50. my god, this is amazing. We're recording it right now. This is it's great. Happening. Wow, fifty episodes. 50. That's fantastic. I'm yeah. so happy. We and made. we are. You know, I was looking at our ratings. We're still pretty up there in the, in the charts. Can't touch us. They keep trying. Do, 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 do. They hate us because they ain't us. <laughs> Can't touch this. <laughs> this is the stuff they come for. <laughs> the things they... Uh, so, Holloway versus Frankie Edgar. Yeah, we missed that. Unfortunately, Were you surprised I... by this, the turn of events? No. Were we happy? No. You know, but I, I, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, so that was, that was an interesting fight night. Um, it was uh, UFC 240, right? And... Um, and um, so it was. There was a couple. It's a couple of interesting fights on that the card. There was Orban Olivier Orban Mercier versus Tsarukian, and crazy names. Yeah, Tsarukian. He's basically he's Armenian or something. You know, any name that ends with Ian is generally speaking Armenian. You know, but you know, one of the the Caucasus fighters. You know, and they had great wrestling. A lot of decisions. So on this yeah, so there, but there was two fights with um, that they were interesting, and then there was uh, Cyborg versus Spencer, which was a total mismatch. But you couldn't really help it. We were talking about it in the podcast before. You know, Cyborg kind of cleaned out the vision, and it turns out that after this fight, she became a free agent, so she might actually be dropped from the UFC mm. because it's like. I don't know. She, you know, she asked for a lot more money, and she kind of cleaned out the division. And so, I think on two sides, it's sort of like Dana White's like, "Well, you're not really that much of a draw, and you cleaned out the division, so there's no, there's no like, uh, who's next? Yeah, yeah, like who's next? You know? So, so, uh, and she's asking for a lot of money. I heard. I don't know. It's sad to see her go. She it looks like one FC is going to scoop her up, but we'll see. Anyway, um, but I'll tell you, Spencer, the girl Spencer, had amazing durability. She was really, really, really in it the whole fight and just trying to drab cyborg to the ground and she had a really really great elbow at, at one point but um but and she's one tough sob i mean that girl is tough she had no quit in her whatsoever but she has to season a lot more in striking and she had a little bit of like a traditional martial arts background kind of a taekwondo background and you kind of see 
the flaws in that style, how she just she's just kind of awkward with her striking, and um, and she threw some kicks, but they they're typical of kind of like a lot of taekwondo kicks is they mm-hmm. just don't have a tremendous amount of power. They have a little more speed and accuracy, but um, you know that that can only go so far. So she 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 lost, but you know she definitely was in there, really really trying to give Cyborg work the whole fight. I give her I give her a yeah, lot of credit. It's not an easy task. Yeah, yeah, not an easy task, right? Bellator has made a bid for Cyborg. Really? Yeah, they yeah, sent yeah, her yeah. contract. Wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess whoever you know, bids the highest. But um, then there was Holloway versus Edgar, and that was a striking clinic from Holloway. And it's kind of interesting because he had such problems with Poirier, and he didn't have any of those problems with Edgar. So, you know, you can see that styles really make fights. And a person who... what energy a, a fighter gives you sometimes you're very easy to like oh i can figure this out and then the other energy the other movement and its patterns they're like whoa what's going on here obviously it was a higher weight class and there's some maybe reach issues and things like that but but um um holloway was always slightly on the outside in an angle like every single time and edgar and you know i'm, I'm not the biggest frank edgar fan let's just get that out of the way for a lot of reasons but that will not be spoken on this podcast, but <laughs> anyway, but um, uh, he is a much more linear fighter. And I knew, you know, I was looking at the, um, you know, the the countdown, the, like the 24-7 follow the fighters kind of thing, the right. UFC countdown thing. Sure. And I'm watching how they're training. And Frankie Edgar is very good. There's no question. But he eats a lot of punches. He, he's always eating. I mean, in, mm-hmm. in his two fights with Gray Maynard and his fights with BJ Penn, um, you know, he's just eating a lot of punches, especially those two fights with Gray Maynard where he was, like, basically knocked out for for, for the most of the fight. So um, he's tough. He's one tough character. But he's also – he has a little bit of a porous defense, and he's very linear. Now, I'm not saying Mark Henry's trainer is a bad coach. I'm not saying that at all, obviously. But Frankie Edgar, he's, he's, he's a very linear fighter, and he – He's just kind of up there in your face, and if you're if you're a linear fighter and you're fighting someone who fights at angles, the guy at an angle was always going to have a slight advantage, and that was what showed over time, and and it was a masterclass in Holloway using his range. So Ed, Edgar is a obviously has a you know reach disadvantage, and then also he was giving up the angle to Holloway, right. so it's like you're going to lose, you're just going to lose, and he was an in fighter who couldn't get in. He was an infighter who couldn't get in. Like, if you're an infighter and you can't get in, you're going to be in trouble. And um, if you're short, you got to play angles. you got to mix things up. And he had – Edgar had success with the kick and also uh, punches off the break. So those are kind of things that he could really work towards. Um, but he didn't use them enough. And he needed to angle out more. And it's not – that angling out is just not part of his repertoire. It's not what he does. He's kind of like an old-school stand-your-face boxer. And he's good. Let me tell you, he is good. But – when you do the same thing over and over again, no matter how good you are, if somebody knows what you're going to do and they have an answer for it, you're going to be in trouble. And that's exactly what it is. It was, it's just Poirier seemed to me hmm. a much slicker fighter in terms of angles and he did a lot of shoulder rolls. And he was like, you know, really trying to get in and, and negate any reach advantage that Holloway had and make him suffer for it. And um, Edgar was not ever making... Uh, Holloway suffer in any way. I don't even think Holloway took that much damage in this fight. You know, like very little. And I um, mean, took he got hit, but but considering he was in a heavyweight, I mean, a, a, a championship fight, you know, went all, all the distance. To, yeah, you'd think he'd take more strikes. damage, and he really didn't. He was just master class in striking. Yeah, they only hit Holloway ninety six times. That's not a lot. That's not a lot for five rounds. No. How many times was the uh, other way? It was probably thirty one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, that you know, that's less of a less of a difference than I thought it would be. You know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think I found out why you don't like Frankie Edgar. Though I was looking at his bio, uh, his wife's name is Renee. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah, you pretend you don't know that. Uh, so it was it was a hard loss for Frankie Edgar. I mean, he's getting up there in age, yeah. um, and obviously taking a lot of hits. Uh, you think he's going to drop down in weight class? I don't think he can. No, I don't know. You don't think he's got it? In him? No, it's also when you get older, just cutting weights harder and harder. Yeah. You know, that's not in him. I mean, he's a warrior, but he could probably do it, but it would be health for his career. You know, and this brings us to the, to the, the, um, the fight. Um, uh, it's kind of Robbie Lawler. Um, uh, uh, you can't even say his name. Yeah. Uh, you just refuse. Kobe, Kobe Covington <laughs> fight. And then Lawler and Edgar, two guys who've been in the game for a long, long time. And the thing is, as you get older, you're, you lose your hand speed. That's a fact. You lose your hand speed as you get older. Oh, wow. And, um, the, 
the strikes on the Covington Lawler fight. Yeah, just, Lawler at eighty two, Covington at two hundred and one. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh Very and and, and, the, and it was I I, I want to talk about ten the fight. takedowns. Yeah, it was wow. it was totally totally a mismatch. It was it was really weird. but um I want before we talk about that did, you know the, want to go back and the, have the two fights that I saw it was Nico Price versus Jeff Neal, and and um, Olivier versus Scarian, and it was funny because um um. The defensive, the the um uh. The, the, the Scarian came out very aggressive and was like really wrestling, and you could tell that he he came from that like you know Caucasus wrestling style, and and he he really did really well in the in the in the first round he dominated, but in the second you know o, OAM um Olivier Aubrey Mercier came out, and he had great defensive strikes, and then he reversed the takedown, and then he put. You know, it's scarring in the guard. And, you know, one of the things I, I noticed, and I noticed this so much in MMA, and it's why people say the guard is dead. But it's not the guard is dead. It's crappy guard is dead. You know, <laughs> like like if you're not playing the guard effectively, you're going to eat punches. Now, this was one fight. And the same thing with Jeff Neal versus Nico Price. And Nico Price is like, he's a pretty talented guy. I mean, he, has, he has a lot of, a lot of um, you know, interesting wins. He's kind of um, unorthodox, and he made up that that kind of finish that he had um, – the really interesting finish, like a few, few about a year ago, um, but he made a lot of he made a lot of grappling mistakes. But I'll tell you one interesting thing in that fight is he Nico headbutted the crap out of Jeff Neal. So Neal's coming in with with throwing like a hook, and Nico comes in straight on <laughs> headbutts him like a rhino in the face, and then hits him after he headbutts him. Not not a cocking the head back, but almost like looking like a shot. And uh-huh. it it could have been that he was trying to shoot in, but it was a full on headbutt and knocks him down with it. No warning, no point taken away. Nothing. So basically, you have to understand, and I've been saying this a long time, headbutts are de facto legal in MMA because everybody does them all the time. It just slightly make them look like a shoot. I, I don't know if it was intentional, but it definitely kind of wow. it kind of looked like it. But um, but then, then um, Nico made so many grappling mistakes. He started. He was winning the fight. Like he was winning the fight like crazy, right? And um, I wanted to say like crazy, but 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 they were they were going at it, right? And then he gets put in the guard, keeps his guard closed the whole time. The same mistake as the, the, the previous fight. If you cannot control a guy's posture, if the, you're in the guard, which means you know wrapping your legs around a person's waist, right? And they're postured up. They can unleash hell and fire on you. You have to destroy their posture. Now, what do you do, Matt, if you can't destroy their posture? You don't stay there. Yeah. You're going to die. <laughs> And you have to go back to opening your guard or, you know, or trying to again destroy the posture. And and that was not what was going on. And and they just sat there and closed guard, kept it closed, and just ate bomb after bomb. And it was it was absolutely horrendously brutal ground and pound. I mean, it was like, whoa. I'm almost like to the point where I didn't want to see it. It was like, this is bad. And you just got the shellac beaten out of him. And it wasn't sort of much like Jeff Neal won. It was more like Price just freaking threw it away with undisciplined movement and serious mistakes and not understanding, hey, don't stay in a position where you're getting hit. Mm-hmm. And that's true like anywhere. Like if you are in a position where you can't, where you're getting hit, you got to move. It's, it's obvious. <laughs> but it's sort of this thing like, well, I'll close my guard and protect myself. And it's, it's a legacy of like training jiu-jitsu without strikes because there's no, there's no downside to closing your guard. You can just kind of hang out there, but when there's punches, you can't hang out there. You're gonna eat it, right. and um, and it was it was um, it's kind of sad to see like guys who are who are really good making such like fundamental errors, and they're really good, you know. But um, but hopefully they learn from this, and um, and you know, like I was saying, uh, it's my obligatory Damian Maya reference, you know, because <laughs> Spencer who fought Spiger, she's sort of like a female Damian Maya, where she's like, if she doesn't take you down. She's gonna have a rough day, and yeah. you know the same thing is like she. You have to two things you have to do is not get hit, and also learn how to hit someone really well. You know that's that's fighting. I don't care if it's whatever. You know even people say, oh, Gracie Jitsu, it's not a striking art. Man, everybody says that Elio Gracie, the founder of Gracie Jitsu, had a mean right cross. Guy had a mean right cross, and all the Gracies I've ever seen, you know they when they punched you, it freaking hurt, even mm-hmm. though they weren't like you know learning the science of boxing. Um, but uh, you have to be able to put the kibosh on people. Right. And um, 
And, you know, you can't just shoot in with, with you know, willy-nilly and think you can drag everybody to the ground because you just can't, you know. Uh, well, and then I when want you're... to see somebody shoot in willy-nilly. What does that look like? It's like your arms flying around. I Here I so. come. Yeah. Here I come. Get ready. Catch me. <laughs> That's a, you could patent that. You have the rat guard and I'll get the willy-nilly. Willy-nilly. Yeah. Willy-nilly, you know. That's probably copyrighted by somebody. It, you know, you should, we should Google this. <laughs> Where did that even come from? I'm derailing the whole conversation. I don't know. It's Sorry. like an old expression, like really? willy because I'm an old dude. Mm. You know, people say that. My wife was saying it was funny. She's like, you know, you're like old school, even for old school people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, man, that's true. <laughs> She's like, you're old even for your age. I'm like, uh, thanks. Uh, you're an old soul. I'm an old soul. Yeah. I'm going to crotchety old soul. <laughs> <laughs> your body's catching up to your soul. Yes. Mm. Um, so yes. So anyway. Um, so then that brings us to the the Covington Lawler fight night, and um, there's some there's some some interesting fights. Um, so the two main events were Col- Col- Covington Lawler and Miller and Guida, and then there was um, uh, Silva versus Hakparast, who is like you know the clone of uh, Kevin Gastelum. He looks like a, like a smaller Kevin Gastelum. He looks just like him. And then there was uh, two other fights that were that were kind of interesting. One of them was uh, Holtzman versus Ma. And Ma's this uh, Korean fighter, and he's pretty good. Uh, but they had Holtzman, and this is kind of really interesting because you know a lot of a lot of boxers hate on MMA striking. They're like ah, you know these MMA guys, their strike sucks. If they looked at Holtzman, they would see. Beautiful defensive boxing, which you don't see so much. Man, the guy was slipping and moving and bobbed and weaved, and everything Ma threw at him, he was just not there. And that was, it was just really good. And what he did, he hit him with one big straight bonk, put him on the floor, and then just, just wrecked him from there. And then they had to stop it because the eye closed so much. The eye, the one, one punch and maybe like another one after that. And basically, the guy's eye was so closed that they stopped it before it went around to, you know, next round. And, um, but Holtzman, this guy has got a future. He's beautiful, some beautiful head movement. He just has to make sure that he's a little bit, um, a little bit better in his grappling, but, um, but pretty good. And, um, and then there was two, there's two uh, really interesting, um, two really interesting, uh, fights. There was, uh, Mearshart and Giles. And then there was Miller and Guida. And this is kind of interesting because, you know, we're always talking about like, well, um, it, you got to be well-rounded and this and that. And you could just see that both these fights, they're won by a guillotine, two different guillotines. Mearshart used a McKenzie and Jim Miller used a regular Armin guillotine. But these guys, especially Jim Miller, I've known Jim, I've known about Jim for years. I mean, he was, he was on the circuit when I was fighting, and before that, he he actually even predates me. I mean, he was he was a guy around that that I was I was looking up to, and they were always he and his brother, they were always training in New Jersey, and he's been doing this for decades and decades. You know, I mean, in the UFC, he's been he's like 13, 14 fights, but he's been training and fighting long before that. He is a real old school East Coast martial artist, and mm-hmm. everybody knows Jim Miller's guillotine is one of the most dangerous out there. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing a specialist at his art. So Guida shoots in, gets kind of hit with a hook. Miller buzzes him a little bit, puts on a guillotine, and finishes it. That's it. It's like super attack. short, like bop. Yeah. And it's a it's the the um, masterful specialist using his specialty. Boom. And you can see he's smart that he was like, I'll wait till he's a little dazed. And then I'll just really, really get into it. Kind of reminds me of the theory of uh, old school Japanese jujitsu. Like, if you're familiar with the old school Japanese jujitsu, it's it's a little bit more when it, uh, it has more striking in it. And and I, I've studied Japanese jujitsu. It's still different from from Brazilian jujitsu in that Brazilian jujitsu is very submission and position and grappling focused. And of course, Gracie jujitsu has strikes in it, but still, it's 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 very obviously grappling oriented, right? Even though there's ground and pound and things like that. Where Japanese jujitsu has this thing called atemi. So every time you want to throw a guy, every time you want to kind of submit him, you basically hit him first. And so there's always like a you hit and then you throw. You hit and you throw. And it's mostly in the style I did. It was a little more oriented towards throwing. But um, I've done a number of Japanese jiu styles, but the one I'm talking about now, it's sort of like a clothesline you hit you or a knee you or something, and then you hit the throw. And these are called the temiwaza, right? And it's interesting because lately you've been seeing a lot in MMA, and it's been going on for a few years now, where guys are really kind of thinking in more in an old-school jiu-jitsu context, old-school, not Brazilian, but Japanese jiu-jitsu. They're like, before I actually put something on you, I'm going to daze you because my this percentage chance of my success will be much higher 
if I actually punched you in the face and mm-hmm. dazed you a little. I'm going to go for the submission after I daze you. And I really love that. It's so smart. It's so thoughtful. It's like, I'm not going to, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And he just clipped him with that hook and then jumped on that guillotine because he's always stunned and just put him out. And, and you know, I can't remember the last time Guido, Guido's tough. He's old, but he's tough. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember the last time he was like finished, finished, like, and certainly not, not you know, not 15 seconds or whatever into the first round. I mean, yeah. it was like, super quick. And then the other one was these guys are, you know, not quite ready for prime time. These, these are more like late, lower level fights. But the guy, Mearshot, was, um, was fighting this, this guy Giles, and um, and you know um, he could tell that he just had a great McKenzie team, and he tried it once, failed, tried it again, boom, got it in, and it was just a done deal. It was it was, and the guy uh, tapped. This is actually this is actually unfortunate. It happened um, the whole a few times, and Herb Dean was he was having an off night, but there were a few um, fights where the guys are tapping. And Herb didn't stop it. So this one, the guy tapped out nine times. Oh, wow. Nine times, went unconscious. Herb goes over, shakes his hand, and then lets him go and then calls the fight. And thank God he wasn't hurt or anything like that. But I think what happened was he was so – he's very affected by the um, Lawler-Askern fight because everybody like, got on his case. Like, mm-hmm. you stopped it too early, blah, 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 blah. And now he's like overshooting. You know, he's like kind of doubting himself, yeah. you know, and because there's like three fights that night that he was like, whoa, you should have stopped this. This is too late. And um, wow. and the same thing with the Miller fight. It was like it was like a little bit of a late stoppage. And he was he was out. I mean, he was unconscious. I talk about that. Out. Really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was it was, you know, I think he I feel bad for, for, for Herb Dean. And this is the thing about referees is like they cannot win. They are a thankless job. Completely thankless. Because if they call the fight perfectly, everybody's like, well, that's what we expected you to do. If they make yeah. one mistake, then everybody's like, oh, the ref sucked and this and that. And it's just completely thankless. That's, I think, for every sport, you know? And But Herb Dean is a, is a great ref. And, of course, human beings are not perfect, you know? But I think he caught so much flack for that Askren, you know, Robbie Lawler stoppage mm-hmm. where everybody's like, you know, you stopped it too early. Mm-hmm. And I think he's like kind of like, you know, let things go a little longer, and this time he let it go too long. Thank God nobody was hurt. You know, this is a good thing about uh, about about chokes and stuff is that, you know, as long as they're not really really long, you're, you're not. You're and not the injured. other fighter is aware. Like, yeah, once yeah, you've yeah, yeah, out, yeah, they yeah. Release it. But you know what the rule is in the UFC? Don't let it go until the ref, you know, um, <sighs> lets you go. This happened with G's last fight, his first, first pro fight. My student G, so he put the student in a, an arm lock, an American arm lock, and then. Then he heard it crack. So G let it go. <laughs> and then the kid was like about to like say I didn't tap. But then he's like, holy crap, my arm is messed up. Yeah. He was about to say he didn't tap. And then he's like, no, 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 no. But the ref didn't stop it, which actually they yeah. could have made it go on. And that actually happened to me in one of my fights where the guy tapped me in the direction the ref couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And then I let it go. And then he said he didn't tap. I'm like you, motherfucker! <laughs> I was so mad, wow. and and so it's like a thing. Like you don't let it go until the ref pulls you off. But at the same time, it can be very dangerous yeah. because if somebody's tapping, I yeah. saw, I saw this one, you know, I saw this one fight where the guy was out, and the ref obviously just did not understand submission. The submission it was um, it was a necktie, and you could tell that he had never seen. A, a Japanese necktie before, right? Japanese necktie. It's kind of like not obscure submission, but not as well known as like a rear naked choke. So he's like looking at this guy and the guy is unconscious. Unconscious. I mean, done. Unconscious. Then the ref's like, keep going, keep it going, <laughs> keep it going. And it's going really long. And it was to the point of dangerous, yeah. like extremely dangerous. I was watching like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then finally... What happens is the fighter, the fighter who's holding it, lets it go. Because like, no, I'm going to freaking kill this guy. So he's like, it's not worth it. He lets him go. And of course, the guy's unconscious and does not wake up for like a minute. Mm. He was really bad. So the thing is, you have to educate, educate these refs to keep it safe. You know, this is not... This is not one man walks in and two men walk in and one man walks out. You know, that's not right. what we're trying to do here. So uh, it was it was dangerous. I feel bad for Herb Dean, but thank God nobody was hurt. You know, it wasn't it wasn't it was long for Herb Dean, but it was in the long grand scheme of things. Nobody was hurt. But um, but it was still like, holy crap. And um, but it was two interesting things to see specialists, really specialists 
working the craft. And like I always say, is like, are the specialists going to win or the generalists? And that's this battle that we kind of haven't figured out yet. You know, and you see a lot of generalists in MMA, but then when they come up against a specialist, a lot of times the specialist wins. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, these guys, two guys, were very very strong guillotine specialists, and just showed a master class in how to uh, uh, you know do those moves. Two two very different guillotines. One is a Marceltine, which is a uh, um, kind of comes around the trachea and it wraps around and the guy puts his hands like this like a prayer position and he, and he, and he pushes and the regular arm and guillotine is like this you know where your the head is underneath the arm and the other arm is here and it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. um, but uh, thanks for not demonstrating on me oh I you know I, I can get Raul in here if it, <laughs> why do we call him, bring him sure, in let's do it no. Raul get in here we need to <laughs> practice on you <laughs> interesting which one's better um, situational yeah it's exactly you mm-hmm. just read my mind it's it is no better it's what's right for that situation mm-hmm. you know it's also like martial arts which martial art is better than the other one who knows Japanese either. or Brazilian which one's better I'm talking about the food not the other food yeah. I prefer Japanese food I've never had Brazilian food actually Philly, I've been to Brazilian she, steakhouse she, she steakhouse it, that's yeah. Jap- yeah there's Brazilian food yeah. do you ever had feijoada no um, it's like a it's good just order it. Shut up. <laughs> uh, it's like um, it's like the stew with beans and stuff. Yeah, ah, it's good. It has like don't have that before you come here. Yeah, you, that you would, that would be. The, <laughs> yes, I will have that. It smells better in the yeah, studio. It's like the national dish of Brazil. So, That's cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and they have them at, usually have them at steakhouses too, where it's like on the side you can get some feijoada. It has like sausage on and the stuff side. In it. Yeah, like, it's like you, a thing. Know, you just eat meat. That's yeah, all yeah, you yeah, get. yeah. Yeah, but the stew has meat in it too. And, oh, okay, uh, so it's delicious. Fine, um, I'll, I'll eat it. I, I actually I enjoyed Brazilian food, but it can could, can be depending on and you know like Brazil is such a big country. I'm sure that there's many regional differences between food. I am not a connoisseur of Brazilian food. I just lived there for a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, and it, I what I ate was we mostly, spent a lot more delicious. time in Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was there years. in Japan for years. Yeah, yeah. And um, Japan has an interesting um, like people think Japan is sushi, but sushi is like more like. Um, a celebratory food. It's not like what you eat every night. You know, you don't. Oh, really? you, know, you don't have sushi at your home with your wife. You know, you know, like you'll you'll have maybe some sashimi, which is just called raw fish, and then you'll have some other. But uh, Japanese eat a lot of grilled fish, rice, a lot of pickled vegetables, mm-hmm. and extremely healthy traditional diet. And Japan's di- traditional diet is extremely healthy. Did you ever eat a live octopus when you were there? I ate a uh, live shrimp. No. I ate a live shrimp, and uh, I did not eat a live octopus. No, but I ate a live shrimp. That's I saw a kind of like dancing around in your mouth, mouth and you eat it. I saw a video uh, of a guy eating a live octopus, and it's like, after, oh yeah, I saw that video too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It was cl- trying to climb one, right? out, out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, I like, saw that. That's crazy. Just, just knock it out at least. Like, yeah, I know. It's the, it's it, Japanese um, have this element of their culture which is. Um, you know, like like if you go to Japan, this is kind of interesting. This is a little off topic, but if you go to Japan, everybody's super nice to you. So you're like, how are these people like the most polite people on the world? You know, then you're like, you think back historically. Oh, these are the people who did the Bhutan Death March, and these are the people who did the Rape of Nanking. How is this possible that this culture that these people are so nice to you in one hand are like so brutal in another? And Japanese society does have a streak of sadism in it it does mm. and that's usually directed to an outgroup member so for, that's why one reason why bullying is very very strong and, and malicious in Japan yours is in group and you strengthen your in group by bullying the people out group and um, the same thing for you know when their armies invade other nations sometimes they're extraordinarily brutal because their propaganda made made said these these people are not our in group you know which is I think true for every culture but mm-hmm. it was extraordinarily true in, in Japanese culture and uh, they dehumanize a lot of people and and then that allowed them to you know perform uh, uh, war crimes you know or, or just whatever and I think the same thing is true when they deal with certain types of animals right like. There's this casual cruelty sometimes to animals um, that is like, whoa, that's really like, you should probably kill that before you make it suffer and eat it. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's this casual cruelty that they're not human, so whatever, you know. And But the funny thing is on the other side, Japanese have a wonderful stewardship of – uh, some certain Japanese, not always, not the big companies who destroy the environment, but but there's certain Japanese have in their culture that have a tremendous concept of stewardship of the environment and you know being one with nature and blah 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 blah. And yet you're like, I'll eat this live octopus even if it's suffering. And you know, octopi are, are octopuses. Actually, I think the correct one is octopus. It's not octopi, but they're they're um, 
they're actually quite intelligent. Yeah. You know, like making them suffer is not cool. Like I, I believe in killing animals to eat. I am not a vegetarian or pescatarian. As I, you like, you know, hey, we got to survive. But I also don't believe in in, in undue cruelty, which mm. is why I have a problem with our modern, you know, factory farms. factory farming. Yeah, like very cruel. But uh, but but um, but I have no problem killing something to eat it. You know, as long as you respect, you do the Native American way, which is like you respect the animal sacrifice and you don't waste anything and you just make sure that you, you give it a moment of say, hey, thank you for, you know, sacrificing yourself for so that I could live. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, unfortunately, that's the world that's the world we live in until we like, you know, make um, micro soiling microbiotic. Green. Yeah, soiling green. Yeah. <laughs> soiling green. It's made of people. No, oh, nobody's going to get Spoiler that. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when are they going to remake that movie? Oh yeah, you know that would I would be a good remake. Mm-hmm. You know, I made that joke. It's made of people. Nobody got it. No, yeah, nobody. nobody got it. Got you know, there's like a product called Soylent now. I know, and I was like freaking out. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> they don't have Soylent. Green Half our young listeners have no idea what I'm talking about. It's a Charlton Heston movie Charlton from the Heston. 1960s, 70s, 60s, early. It's late. a trippy movie. Yeah, man. yeah. Like they go into the suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. insane. That's a movie, but ahead of its time. Yeah, like it wasn't appreciated. Yeah, you know it, that that movie, and it, and it was at the same time came of I I am the I am Legend original movie, which was called uh, Omega Man. It was also a Charlton Heston movie. Hmm. You know that Bill Smith I am Legend. Yeah, that's a, that remake a remake of Omega Man, huh. and and it's uh, uh, but the remake is actually really good, except for the end. But um, they changed the end. I know. Sons of bitches. Yeah. God damn it. Censoring us. Yes. This blood. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How did we get here? Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so let's get back to um, let's get back to the um, the last. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't talk about, about Colby. Yeah. So Colby coming to Lawler, and 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 look, this is kind of interesting too, because like you said, why is why was Max Holloway so successful against you know Edgar, but not successful in part? Obviously, you know, there's weight difference and things like that. But but technically speaking, then you look at Robbie Lawler, and you look Robbie Lawler's had some fights where he's very very successful, and then lately, then you know he's kind of and watching this fight made me understand why he lost or you know even if you think it was a bad call why he got to that position uh where you know herb team had that call um but i think i think you know more i watch it the more i'm like hmm you know who knows um but you can understand why this happened so this is kind of interesting so um first of all colby covington's volume and variability just outclassed you know uh lawler now you could said you said it was like 90 to 200 or something? What was the... 201 to yeah, 82. 82, right. But the amount Kobe threw that didn't connect because because oh, yeah. Lawler was was bobbing and weaving, things like that. But he was basically like this. I counted one point where Lawler, it was something like 10 or 15 strikes before Lawler even hit one. And he was he was defending a good amount of them. But if you, one guy's throwing 15 strikes and you throw one, eventually you're going to lose because mm-hmm. he's going to catch you. Just the output was crazy. Covington is a cardio and machine. And also technically, he's 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 decently skilled. So he's not like blowing all his cardio with like big power shots. Mm-hmm. And um, and I mean, when absolutely it was nonstop offense and Lawler just couldn't seem to get his offense off. And that's kind of like... Why is that? Now, was it that Covington was so much better? No. Because it actually looked to me like Covington's not really ready for the prime time. And, of course, I don't like the guy. But it's it's like from a from a completely objective eye, you're like, yeah, it wasn't that great. You know, he's not really that great. I mean, he's, he's way he's shooting, not really in love with. His hips are back. His head is down. The way he's um, kind of clinches into dirty boxing clinch. He was, he was interesting use of it, but... He's just making. He's like a B level fighter. He was not. He's not someone I would consider an A level fighter. I just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But he does have. He's young. He's strong. He's tremendous cardio, very efficient movement. So, generally speaking, and he can just hit takedown after takedown after takedown and takedown attempt. Now, what happened with this is that Lawler is what I call a power escape fighter, not a not a power puncher. I mean, obviously, he could be a power puncher too, but power escape fighters are like. What's the my balls are hot guy? What's his name? <laughs> oh, uh, what's his name? Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis. He's another one. Or Nagano, right? Or um, they're guys that don't invest in the technique. They invest in their attributes to escape. Mm-hmm. So, and they can they can work. And especially if you're Nagano, it can work until you fight Stevie Miocic, who is like technically much better at dealing with your power, and you mm-hmm. can't get up. 
And then you just wind up getting more and more tired. So a power escape fighter has to do this. They get ready and wait for it, wait for that opening. And they just escape, you know? And like they're just kind of waiting for your mistake a little bit, Mm. a little bit lull in the pressure. And then they escape. And man, Lawler gave up his back like 40 freaking times. He, he did all the things you're not supposed to do. Then he would just explode out. Now, one, these can work, but you can't do it 40 times. It makes you really freaking tired. Mm-hmm. And also, guess what? Lawler's not a spring chicken anymore. You, he can't fight like he fought way back when he was at Militich Fighting Systems in 1999 or 2000. You know, like you're not that kid anymore. So you're, every time you do that, you got to pay the piper. Your cardio is going to just drop. And like he just, you know, that's the, the bad end of, of, of putting your, your all eggs in being an athlete rather than being a technical escape artist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for my fighters in my academy, and, and I was telling this to my students um, on Saturday, I'm like the first way to become a, a really experienced fighter, the best way to become is be Harry Houdini. Be able to get out of any position. It was funny that my wife didn't know who Harry Houdini was. And I'm like, she's like, after she's like, who's Harry Houdini? I'm like, how do you not know who Harry Houdini is? But anyway, that's another story. But I'm like, you have to be Harry Houdini. You have to be an escape artist. You have to be an escape artist. If you can escape what people throw at you technically, then you can take chances or you can experiment in this and not fear what's going to come up. Mm-hmm. So if I were telling anybody, whether it's a striker, whether it's a grappler, whatever, if you want to get good, first put your emphasis on on movement and angles and escape in striking, you know, not getting hit and and being able to deflect stuff. And in grappling, getting out of all submissions and pins and things like that, just be, be Harry Houdini. Wherever they put you, you know how to get out. And get out technically with the minimum use of force. Mm-hmm. And like you could just see it over time. Lawler was like, he just couldn't rev up. And he just he was just constantly just getting hit. And the guy, I mean, if somebody's throwing 15 strikes at your face and you throw one, there's something wrong with what you're doing. <laughs> you know, there's something freaking wrong. Yeah. You know? So, and I was counting. I'm like, one, two. Three, four, five. 541 strikes. 541. And how much does the other guy throw? Probably 171. Yeah, five times as much. Yeah, look at that. When it's five to, and it's funny because I put, I put, I, I put here, Lawler's strike count is probably around 500. Uh, yeah, 541. I mean, not Lawler, um, Covington. Covington. Yeah, yeah. I, I missed it by 41, but I'm like, yeah, it's five. Like, the strike count is just, yeah, it was five times as much. And then I think also in the beginning rounds, it wasn't like that. It was more even, right? Mm-hmm. And it was towards the end. So like what you're talking about is the beginning was probably like one to one or two to two. I mean, two to one, something like that. And then here, towards the end, it was like 10 to one, 15 mm-hmm. to one, right? You know, because in the beginning, Lawler wasn't tired. Yeah. And uh, But toward the end, he was just like, but I have to give him credit. He had some good, you know, bobbing and weaving in defense. But then eventually, if you're not throwing, you're going to lose. You're not trying to fight back. You're going to lose. So that was, uh, that was, that's how I saw that. Wow. What's coming up? Oh, boy, I think we have to do a raffle. Oh, yeah, we got to do a raffle. Mm-hmm. Somebody wants a book? You mooches. Buy your own book. <laughs> Buy your own book. No, no. <laughs> I want to thank everybody who took the time to write, you know, some really, really great reviews on our podcast. And I'm, you know, really thankful uh, to our listeners. You know, I, I sit with you every week. And it's, and I, of course, I have so much fun, you know, talking to my wonderful co-host. But at the same time, it's nice to hear that some people listen and really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we got Barry's book. We got a copy. So I hope you can enjoy My favorite it. review, I don't know who wrote it, but it was... Uh... Uh, Renee always has some interesting things to say about martial arts, and I always learn something. And Matt's funny sometimes. It's like, <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Uh, every now and then, I, I I talk. Actually, Matt, you you make me crack up. And you know what? You know what? It's like funny because you know sometimes you listen to other podcasts. You like see what what other people are doing, and like there's some guys who are as knowledgeable as I am, and many who are more right, who are very very knowledgeable. But their co-host is really freaking boring. <laughs> and there's only, you know, like you need someone like you. You need you need someone to make things laugh and like, break the attention and, and it's fun. And so I appreciate you, Matt. Well, you I are, think we work well together, sir. I, we're amazing. And the reviews are in. Everybody likes it. Everybody like, okay, so go pick one. Pick okay, one. Yeah, ready? You got close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Cause, uh, and and uh, just uh, we, uh, we have uh, a couple of people we know who, who are in this uh, uh but people we know who wrote wrote the reviews, so we're, Matt has to close his eyes to make sure that he doesn't pick someone he knows, and we wrote it down. And one of these is my mom, so <laughs> and she won't read this. Is book. It your mom? She's no, scared. it's not your one mom. of them. Probably uh, is no, I, I don't think so. Hey, mom, if you haven't reviewed me yet, 
Hey, okay. I don't okay, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Ready? Mush around and pick one. Is this everything? Yeah, that's everything. Okay, ready? Here we go. I can't even read that. That's your handwriting. Uh, Accident prone 818. Accident prone 818. So accident prone 818, you are the winner of our raffle, and you'll get a copy of the Killer Collective. And just contact us through the uh, through the. Do you um, know who that is? And what Marshall? I have no idea. That's mm. the one I don't know. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> Too bad, Scarlet May. <laughs> Sorry, Scarlet. And Sharon. <laughs> I was like, I was looking at all the people. There'll be students. more to give away. Yes, we have other giveaways too. We have another book we want to give away eventually, right? Which one's that? Ian. No. The Andreas's book. Yeah. Oh, given, no, but he's that's like a Kindle book, isn't it? Or no? Is it only know. digital? Oh, it is only digital. I, I don't know. Give away it. one of those. Yeah, I have his book in my house, so I don't know. Oh, I could give away my copy, man. but I want it. Give people your Kindle. <laughs> Load it with books and give it away. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have no. Okay, so accident prone eight one eight. Please contact us through the Marshall Culture Facebook page or Marshall Culture Instagram with your mailing address, and we will mail you the book. Thank you, Accident Prone, and thank you for the wonderful uh, review. I actually just wrote, read it uh, about five minutes ago. What was, was really the review? Nice. Was it good? It was, yeah, it was, it was nice. It was nice. I'm curious. It was, we could we could read it later. We could. Oh, we could read later. it later. All right. People okay. don't want to hear now, us read I it. I want to talk about one last thing before we go. All right, okay. one last thing. Go. All right. So I had this interesting experience, and we're always talking about like how teachers have to teach this and this. Now I want to talk about the mistake. Of you know, and a lot of times I put I put the, the teacher's mistake. The teacher should do this, and you know this is the way they should teach jujitsu. This is the way they should teach MMA, and this is. The, but you know, sometimes the mistake is the fault of the student, and and sometimes encouraged by the teacher too. So um, I'm going to tell you this example. I was I was we're getting on the st- subway to go train, and it was early in the morning, and there was people um, on the train um, getting ready to go to train as well, and. Um, you know, uh, we happened to see they're all wearing, um, you know, jujitsu shirts and things like that. And, mm-hmm. and their, 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 their instructor is a very famous, famous guy, very famous guy, you know, and I'm not going to say any we're names. We're not saying it. No, purpose. we're not saying okay. names, not Got saying it. names, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a very famous school and this happens a lot though. And, and, and this is not just jujitsu. This is so many martial arts where, you know, so there's this one old guy and he's, and he's talking, and he met another person. They're all going to the same class. And uh, the person, the other person had some kids, and they were taking the kids to the younger kids to the class too. And the kids are, everybody's wearing like the, the, the logo shirts and the logo shorts and the logo bag. And, you know, they're just decked out with the, with the swag. And, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, um, all they would talk about was like, yeah, I trained with this guy. And, you know, aren't we, aren't we lucky to train with this guy and this guy? And, 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 you know, it's always good to be proud that you train under a certain instructor. That, that's a good thing. But remember, it doesn't matter how good your instructor is. It's how good you are. It's the work that you put in. Mm-hmm. Don't live like a vampire off the achievements of your instructor. So these guys are talking like, yeah, we, you know, and, and the thing they said was that their instructor had just met with the president of Brazil because, you know, there's a new president of Brazil, whatever, regardless of what you think about him. But he was, or, I think it was the president, I'm not really sure. Was, but they're talking about, like, yeah, he's just met with the president. Isn't that amazing? This and that. I'm like, I'm sitting there like, I shouldn't really listen. I should just mind my own business. And I'm not ca- causing judgments. It's something that's very strong, common in the martial art community in every martial art, you know, so I don't want to just say on this this academy right and and i've actually had it in my academy where i actually sat the student down and and talked to him and said you can't think like that so i'm going to say what happens like basically you put your instructor on this like guru pedestal and then you live vicariously and vampirically through their achievements rather than creating your own Mm -hmm. and and then this is what happens so they get off the subway right and they're a little bit late to class and the one guy who's like, yeah, our instructor's so amazing. I'm like, he's so great. I realize that he's quite, quite overweight, quite overweight, and um, which is not a bad thing. I'm not shaming him or anything like that. But he was like really talking like, yeah, man, I'm so glad to be a fighter in this camp and this and that. And the other students are like, man, I'm going to be late. Let's hurry. And the <laughs> guy's like, you got to go ahead. I can't even run up the stairs. <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker. You're pretending you're being a martial artist huh. and you can't really fucking up and run up the stairs. Wow. Like you, man, before you can brag about how like awesome and, and you know, he, what he was saying was really like, he's like, yeah, man, I'm so cool because I train here. 
No, that is not the way. Mm-hmm. That is not the way. And I've seen this so many times where it's like you you feel empowered because your instructor is so awesome. No, it is not about what your instructor did. It's about what you are going to do day in, day out in your process. And it really like – and I was like, this guy's like can't even make it up five – you know, there's 10 stairs in the subway. He's like the fifth stair. He's like huffing and puffing. He's like – Day one is his yeah. first day. No, it's not. And I mean he's, he's like – blue belt, right? <laughs> he's definitely not a white belt. That's not how he was talking. He was talking like he was like a wow. more – you know, like like he, the way he was talking – I don't know what his rank was, but he was talking like he was a bit of a more senior student because he was like talking to the other student. He was kind of like talking down to the, the woman with the kids. He's like, yeah, well, you know, if you ever need some, you know, pointers on technique, you know, you know, I'm, I'm tight with I'm tight with the master, you know. And I'm like, dude, you can't even walk up five fucking stairs. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and that's okay if you had a more humble attitude and right. you're like, hey, I'm going to put this work in and I'm going to be the best person I can be. And I'm not trying to like shame people. You should, you should start even if you're in the worst shape and people should help you. But you know what I'm, what I'm problem with is this guru attitude. Like you're sucking off the achievements of, of your instructor. Mm-hmm. And like instead of doing the work that you have to do, you, you like latch on. To to the, the the you know like it's like the in high school there was the jock and then he has the little hanger-ons who are like oh Chip you're so awesome you know like dude that is not the way that is mm-hmm. definitely not the way of martial arts and sorry we're and, out of uh, time sorry. Were, <laughs> and 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 this is true so and I saw this in karate all the time so yeah. I'm talking about jujitsu now but you know this is what happens in karate like a lot of like white guys. Like when it doesn't have to be white, it could be any race, but not Asian, not Japanese, would have a Japanese instructor. And they just so want to be their instructor. And if anybody tells them, they're like, you know, where do you train? You know, like, yeah, I trained under Master Miyazaki was my instructor, right? But, you know, because my instructor is kind of famous. So I was like, yeah, I trained under Master, you know, Master Miyazaki. And my, my instructor, Sensei Miyazaki, could not stand being called Master Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. He hated that. He's like, you can call me Mister, or you can call me Sensei, and and he would not like like push the term Sensei, and he would like don't you know Master's not you know or no Grandmas whatever. And he's like, I don't really do that, you know. And but they were like, yeah, I trained him. And you know who do that? All the people who absolutely sucked, and they have these amazing, huge, you know, they get the regular diploma for their black belt, but then they would like expand it bigger, <laughs> and then like put it on the wall so nobody could miss it, oh, you know. And and they're so fucking bad, you know. And then these people come in, and you know, this is my dojo all the time. And I'm like, did you study martial arts? And they go, of course, of course, I studied. I studied under, you know, Grandmaster blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. that tells me nothing about you. <laughs> That tells me then when somebody comes in and says, yeah, you know, I wrestled in high school, but I've got a lot to learn. I'm like, yes, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, not like, yeah, my master was, you know, a stone cold killer. It tells me nothing about They're you. trying to build a resume. Yeah, yeah, right. No, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's the name brand society. It's mm-hmm. like someone saying, you know, you know, I went to Yale, but I flunked out. <laughs> You're like, well, 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 what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, chasing. Yeah, but, but you know, it is, it is part of our society, and it's really, really big here in America, but it's not the way. And, and, and it turns my stomach that people need to be much more existential in their approach. And existential, you know, existentialism is the branch of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it says that you are really the sum of your – a simple way of saying you are, you are really the sum of your achievements and your experiences. And that's really what martial arts is, is the idea that you – have to chase this 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 ex- experiential this life this this growth pattern and it's going to make you into a better more person and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if your instructor is a great champion or not and actually let me tell you a lot of guys look at Jackson Wink is a good example Jackson Greg Jackson is not a champion by any means he he actually has a terrible MMA record he was not a champion he was not a good fighter but he's a great coach mm-hmm. and the same thing with Crazy Bob Cook at AKA he's the, the grappling guy. He's no major resume, but he has developed a stable of guys in AK who who are very, very, very strong. You know, just because your instructor is a nobody doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Besides, you, it's what you can do in that path. And the same thing is true as tennis. Like the best tennis coaches were like the B level circuit guys. They weren't like the t- high mm-hmm. level guys. You know, and um, so, but it's like, is there something empty in you if you're always deferring to your credentials in terms of your instructor? Not not like, hey, you know, I, I did this and I did this. My instructor did this. Well, your instructor's not you. It doesn't matter. Your yeah. lineage is is important in the sense that you that, that shows that you you have a link to the past. And I'm I'll be honest, I'm very proud of my my different lineages, you know, that I'm proud, but that doesn't make me 
it doesn't make me have to work any less hard each day. Okay, yes, I trained under, you know, Higa Machado at one point. I did train under Marcel Garcia at one point. It doesn't mean anything. Marcel Garcia is awesome, but if I, if I half-assed it, that wouldn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, I, I, I trained under Jenny Habello in Brazil for a little bit. You know, he's a great grandmaster. It doesn't mean anything if I didn't get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that lineage is nothing compared to your own hard work. However, as an instructor, if somebody said, who, is your, who did you train under? You do have to kind of say it's sort of like, yeah, did you go to college? Yes, I went to NYU for my graduate, and I went to Columbia for my undergraduate. And then, oh, what would you study? Well, I studied East Asian. Well, okay, who was your instructor? Well, I was under this guy, and you know, and I studied at Gerald Curtis for a little bit and this. And, and people understand that you're legitimate. Mm-hmm. Good. But then at, at the end of the day, they shouldn't judge you just that. They should judge you on, on you know – watch your actual technique yeah. and your teaching and things like that. Like and on my resume, I put, I attended college. <laughs> if you assume I graduated, that's on you. I attended. <laughs> exactly. Well, but that's exactly my point. You yeah. don't know what you did in college. Yeah. You know, you could have like cheated your way through. Just smoked pot all day and just hung out. <laughs> did you smoke pot all day and hang out? I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't I want can't to remember. He can't remember. <laughs> it's, it's, all all day. it's all haze. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you your do. resume should start with you. And then, then yeah, list and, the people. And, and okay, let me tell you about these karate guys, right? So then it gets really weird. It gets really like almost weirdly racist because I know so many guys brought up in, you know, Queens who start teaching karate in a Japanese accent. Uh. <laughs> which I will not do on the radio, but I've seen it so many times. And, and the same thing in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You know, yeah, Yo, you have to do the armbar like this. I'm like, dude, you grew up in Jersey. Why are you talking like that? This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Or, and it's it's every martial art. It's every martial art. But it's it's this weird thing that, and and okay, this is actually not martial arts, but this is, I got to tell you about this, right? So there's this um, sushi guy who got really, really, really in trouble because he was doing like a, like Japanese accent. And the thing is, I went to his, because my friend is a sushi chef and she had this little, um, like sushi stall and it was next to his and it's like a high-end sushi stall like you said it's like a four-person all-you-can-eat thing and we wanted to support her and so he went but next to her is this guy is bozo right Mm -hmm. and he lived in japan for so long and he's like talking to me like oh you speak japanese i don't even want to do it because it's so fucking racist but you know like he's doing this like fucking japanese accent i'm like dude you're a fucking white guy from queens stop with the fucking accent and he does he's like so but it's so it's i've seen it in martial arts i recognized it immediately what he was doing Mm. it was just like wanting to be your master so much because there's something empty inside of you that you like put on a Mm -hmm. uh, it's like cosplay you know you cosplay your master Mm -hmm. but that is especially when it comes to like certain accents it's like it's like racist. Don't do it, yeah. yeah, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. It's like this is bad. It's like you're you know? trying to immediately leg- legitimize yourself and make your, like, oh, I can speak kind of Japanese, <laughs> so I must be able to make good sushi. That's right. Who's right. racist in that instance? Yeah. Am I racist because I think that if you speak Japanese, you're better at sushi? Well, that means you probably live there. It's, that's a good reason. But he, he doesn't really. I mean, it's not like he doesn't speak Japanese. You speak to me in English in a like weird Japanese accent. Yeah. And and he was actually like. There's this like attitude that Japanese old men have like towards foreigners, which is like a little bit ignorant and not like not wonderful. And um, and he was like mimicking that like I'm like, dude, you're younger than me and you're white. Why are you doing that like Japanese old guy thing? And I'm like sitting there like offended. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not even Asian. I'm offended. Like if I were Asian, I'd be really. Offended. My wife is sitting there. She's like, this guy's kind of stupid, but I don't yeah. really care, you know, because my that's wife when, is so cool. But. That's when you start talking like. In Japanese, like yeah, I talked to him Japanese, and, they, and, and then he's like, I, huh? Yeah, no, that's exactly what he did. Right, so I started talking Japanese, right? And my Japanese is a little rusty now, but I, I mean, I still fluent, but I'm, I, you know, like, but the high level words, I'm not as like strong as I used to be. But what I did was I made it. I did use all really high level vocabulary, and I'm like, he's like, oh, oh, thank you. And he goes, on, like, you didn't understand a word I fucking said, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm like, eh, you take that. This is I really speak Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, but and, got it. yeah. So, so it's like it's the guy, and it is the funny thing. He's got right. He got written up by the the New York magazine because like people like people complain like this is yeah. fucking racist. It's yeah. like an article and all like, but it's like this idea that you have to put on some sort of performative front mm-hmm. because you can't stand alone on your own achievements, and uh, that is something that as a, as martial artists we cannot do. Do mm-hmm. not live vicariously through your master mm-hmm. or and like i said this happened to me because when when um when i was fighting 
man, I had a lot of people like, Renee, this is so cool. Then the minute I stop fighting, they don't want to hear from you anymore. Hmm. And then the thing is also, as, a, as an instructor, you know, um, they're like, oh, Renee, you know, like, and I hear people talk like, I train under Renee Dreyfus. I'm like, dude, stop that. It's, I'm not the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy that a day in, day out has to put the hard work. I did my work, and I did what I could do, and I wish I sometimes could have done more, but I did what I could have done, and I'm, I'm proud of some of my achievements, and, you know, I, I still have some places to go um, to, to make myself a better martial artist. But that's my path. That's not your path. Mm-hmm. And stop being, you know, sucking the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the fame of your instructor and making it your own, you know? But we like that. You know, we love like, yeah, I'm a Jets fan. And Jets went, man, dude, you're not on the field. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, I don't get that. That fandom, that crazy fandom. But, um, but you know what? The other thing is some instructors really, really emphasize. They, they allow that and they like it because it's good for business. So the yeah. students are all lazy. Oh, yeah. And they're all lazy. They work hard. But, yeah, but they can say, yeah, I trained it. Blah, 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 blah. And just, like, to, just to get their yeah. logo on your jacket. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and it's disgusting. And this is not one martial art. It's every martial art in America. And, um, and even a little bit in Japan. Not as bad. But it was, it was, I never experienced judo. Judo is never like that. But like, mm-hmm. the more esoteric martial arts, they, they'd instruct, yes, I'm a student of blah. And and there's a way to say that because in Japanese you kind of do have to say who you in master is in a way like it's kind of Japanese in the way that you kind of have to say like yes I'm 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 under Miyazaki and uh, and that's kind of how you introduce yourself but there's a way to do it like humble and then there's a way to do it arrogant mm-hmm. and they I was like a victim of this like arrogant and you know what then you spar with these guys you just say, let's spar and like no 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 I don't want to spar <laughs> you know like oh or or they spar and they beat the snot out of them because they suck shit and it's always those guys who suck so like. You have to be your own man or own woman. You have to live on your achievements, not someone else's. And it just drove, it drives me, it drives me up the wall when people do that. And especially when I'm the person they're like latching onto. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, let's not, let's not, not do that. Now you should be very proud of the academy if you're, very, you have a wonderful time in the academy and you have a lot of friends. And but you should be focused on your hard work and your path and being the best you that you can be. And also when the time comes, when that, you know, like, you know, there's this great quote. Okay, I'm going to read this quote to you. This is, this is my, this is the quote that motivates me every day. This is, this is it. This is it. Okay, listen to this. This is, this is, this is the way. At dawn, when you have trouble getting out of bed, tell yourself, I have got to go to work as a human being. What do I have to complain of? If I'm going to do what I was born for, the things I was brought into the world to do, or is this what I was created for, to huddle under the blankets and stay warm? Man, that gets me out of bed every day. Mm. Like, you have stuff to achieve. Stop staying in the blanket being lazy. It's time to go to work. And go to work and fulfill the destiny that you were born for. Go to work. Yeah. Get up. Get up. Get on up. James Brown. I'm not going to sing that. But get up. I thought we were going to do a duet here. James Brown no. duet. No? I'm sorry. Okay. That's okay. Maybe I'm next lonely. time. I was kind of feeding off of your musical talent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't that's have my, any, that's my point of the day. Get up and okay. uh, rewind that and, and write it down and put it above your bed, that quote. Yes. Is there attributed to anybody? Oh, uh, that's Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius. You know, the uh, father of uh, one of the worst emperors in Roman history. Well, he got up and he, <laughs> he made got that. Up. He, he made, made that baby. <laughs> he made that baby. Is it, it is Marcus? Yeah, it's Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, he's actually a famous Stoic philosopher who was also the Roman emperor. But you know, his son was Commodus, who was you know made famous in the movie Gladiator. Sure. Yes. Can you read that back in Greek? In Roman. In Roman, yeah. Which would be Latin. But do it. In, I want you to do it in Greek, though. That, in Greek, yeah. It's nice. all Greek to me. And that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> uh, don't forget to get up. And we'll, we'll uh, we got, I think we got time before the next fights. We can come back Monday and talk about yeah, yeah, what's yeah, coming sure. up. Well, we got Stipe Mirochik versus Cormier. We got um, Khabib versus Parier. We got so much coming up that's awesome. August is going to be huge yeah, in yeah. the future. Actually, I think, I think the, I think the, the one is the, it's like a little bit further. It's like October or something, but. I can't wait that long. Yeah. Let's have, make them fight now. Yeah, anyway. Let's go but fight But we got some, some good stuff coming up too. There's some really good stuff. Anyway, so, um. 
Um, let's hope uh, Dana White resigns Cyborg, but we'll see what happens there. Meh. Yeah. Move on. Move on. I'm Moving done on. with her. Okay. Get rid of her. Get rid of Throw her. Throw her out the window. Um, okay, um, oh, the next one is Shevchenko versus Karmouche. That's interesting. And then August 17th is Cormier Miocic. Who do you have? Cormier or Miocic? <sighs> That's a tough one. My gut goes with the Miocic. Miocic. Yeah. I, you know what? I had Miocic for the first one. I did too. And I think he'll take this one. I don't think Cormier is going to do it. Uh, but then again, Cormier proved me wrong the first one. So I, I just, I really thought Steve Bay was going to take it. So we'll do a double bet against ourselves. So if Cormier wins, we both lose. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <Uh-oh. laughs> if Steve Bay wins, we both win. All right. <laughs> and prone 818. Don't forget to let us know. Find, get in touch with us some way or another. Yes. Um, Instagram. Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I don't check the Twitter. Fa- Facebook is best or Instagram. Uh, or you can email me at Coach Dreyfus, D-R-E-I-F-U-S-S, at uh, gmail.com. There you go. All Please right. get in touch. We'll give you your book, The Killer Collective. Yes. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.